0: Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact cordellcordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California 94404. Fans, welcome to another episode of The Bird Call, the podcast dedicated to SB Nation's The Bird Rights. I am joined by site editor and all-around celebrity, Ali Cassell, as well as renaissance man, Kevin Berrios. What's up, kids?
1: Nothing much. Good to be back, man.
0: Kevin, I've got hey, a how
2: question how you doing, you? It's been a while since we've all gotten together.
0: It has been a while, and I have a very important question for Kevin. Kevin, what is an Ali anyway? <laughs>
1: It's a skateboard trick.
0: (laughs) That it is. It's also our side.
1: Now, you guys, we
0: are now at the most insufferable time of the year. It's hot. The draft and free agency are behind us. We have yet to stumble upon training camp. And yet, you know, things are not. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Quite finished. After the hotly debated edition of uh, former four-time All-Star and All-Defense Rajon Rondo, the Pelicans have just recently waived Summer League star Quinn Cook, small forward and D-League All-Star Axel Tupon, who now, I think, has signed a contract in uh, Zajiris or something, and added a uh, Summer League Diamond in the Rough Jalen Jones. Let's start with the most important question, and one currently featured on the birdrides.com. How do you like that plug, Ollie? Da- Dante Cunningham has of yet remained unsigned. Quinn Cook was possibly the best backcourt long-range shooter, and he's now gone. And Boogie is currently our second most efficient three-point scorer. Ali, where are my shooters at?
2: I don't know. I asked the same question. I think we're overlooking the fact, this fact, because everybody's gotten suddenly excited about John Rondo coming, the fact that, you know, Cousins and AD have been doing their thing this summer. And, of course, there's reason to be excited about that because, it's, you know, it's important they're going to be big-time uh, players and what the Pelicans do next season. But let's face it, all we heard about last season was um, outside shooting, and the team really has not done anything yet to improve that facet. Uh, people may point to uh, Darius Miller or maybe a Renaissance of uh, Quincy Pondexter, but you know what? Until they do it on the court, you have to be a naysayer because it's a league where what have you done for me lately? So, yeah, uh, you nailed it, Preston. The fact that Cunningham is still out there and we just released – or I'm sorry, the Pelicans just waved Quinn Cook – it's something to worry about because that decided a lot of games down the stretch last season with Boogie And I noted that in the article where the guys were getting the looks from the outside, but they just weren't making them. And last year I made a point of also uh, pointing out the fact that you have to be a confident and like an aggressive shooter. And almost all of our mentalities out there outside of maybe Jordan Crawford, they weren't that. So, you know, I don't know. I- I'm still expecting moves. So granted you can't, can't, put a grade on it now but it's definitely a concern i mean let's face it the free agent list is what it's really dwindled down
0: yeah kevin uh right now um i think our best three-point shooter is jordan crawford at around 39 percent he still has an unguaranteed contract of 1.7 million and we're just sitting between 2.4 and 4 million under the luxury tax do you think there's any scenario at all where the pelicans cut ties with crawford to free up some more space
1: I mean, right now I would say they can't because, you know, you got rid of Quinn Cook and uh, so you need sort of another guy that can play some point And Crawford is a guy that can do that. He's done that for stretches. Um, also, you know, like, like we were talking about, we need shooting and we have no shooters at the moment really. Um, I mean, Etoile Moore is a good shooter. I think, uh, I think you'll see more out of him this year than you did last year, but um you know that mentality that he has is something that we need and i don't think especially when you got him for 1.7 million i don't think you just dump him for that because uh, i don't think he's you can find a replacement guy for that price um i think they would they would maybe look to do some other moves if needed
0: all right you guys ali let's move on to something that anthony davis told the advocate this week he said he's tired of losing. Uh, he was quoted saying, I'm tired of losing. Obviously, we applaud, like, hunger and passion, but there's there's a bit of, of, of sadness and uncertainty to it as well. Should this experiment with Boogie and Rajan Rondo go wrong, should, should we blow the whole thing up yet again? Does this quote give us an indication as to AD's feelings in response?
2: Yeah, because they're true feelings, just like any top of the, you know, profession athlete would have. Um, we just recently, I remember reading Giannis had something similar, say, up in Milwaukee. And um, outside of the Kyrie Irvings of the world, these guys want to win. They're competitors, and there's no greater satisfaction than walking away a winner after a hard-fought battle. So, no, Anthony Davis saying this is not a surprise, but it's also not that big of a concern because we've all expected that. I mean, how for how many years have we been saying if they don't build? A winner around Anthony Davis by the time he becomes an unrestricted free agent, you know, once he's gone through his rookie contract, which he has, and then signed the next one. Yeah, they're going to have to be a winner. Otherwise, you can't blame the guy for wanting to leave for greener pastures.
0: Uh, Kevin, we've seen this this summer that uh, despite the fact that we have Anthony Davis locked up for – for three more years, and obviously I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We've seen a couple of guys with two years left on their deal, just like Jimmy Butler, uh, still kind of ushered their way out of town. Uh, this this season is a must-win, correct? We have to get into the playoffs. Or do you think this whole scenario to Boston actually comes to fruition next summer?
1: Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I do think it's a very important season. I think playoffs are, should be expected but you know i think as long as we're looking really well and then and things are clicking and maybe like you know you get some weird injury or something that prevents you from getting the playoffs i think it's still like you know a team that they can keep building on cousins you know will probably come back uh but it is very important and if cousins does bolt then you have to start thinking about you know possibly seeing what Anthony Davis wants to do um, and try to retool that way. But I mean, he's a hall of famer and I would love to see him be here for the rest of his career, but um, you know, you have to cross that road when it comes, but I mean, realistically, I think playoffs are kind of a given uh, as long as we have, we have uh, decent health. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not that concerned about it. I, I I'm higher, like, like Jamal was saying, I think he and I are higher on this team than the team is right now. They're a little bit more worried than we are. I mean, you got two of the best players in the league, create interesting matchups, a whole different style of play that other people have to adjust to. I think we're that sort of weird team that gives people a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, that's all the negativity we need for today. I'm actually not that concerned either, but it's it's uh, the, the part of the sparse uh, bit of news that we've got. So I thought I would bring it up. But some of the better news that we've got. The Pelicans signed our summer league surprise wingman, Jalen. Ali Jalen was one of the guys both you and Jamel McMillan singled out for their surprising play. He scored 21 points in two of his last three games. And according to Jamel, brought pure energy, defended multiple positions, was a vocal leader. He even compared him to, as of yet, unsigned Dante Cunningham. Uh, Obviously, this is purely a training camp invite. But Ali, is Jalen Jones going to make this team?
2: I think he's gonna. He has a good chance of making it via the two-way contract. Um, to get on the uh, on the regular roster, no, I just don't see it. If they're not gonna invest in Quinn Cook, um, I can't foresee Jalen Jones, who needs a lot more seasoning, so to speak, because his shot is raw, and he did miss a lot of defensive rotations and the like, uh, which is expected almost of any summer league player. But still, no, I think that the best we can hope for Jalen Jones remaining with the. Uh, organization uh, in the foreseeable future is through a two-way contract. Now, that being said, that's a really good thing. Um, as you've mentioned, there's a lot of good things to like about this guy. And I, I noticed it instantly in that very first game. His hustle, his ability to somehow get through and uh, score in traffic was something you don't often see with this Pelicans team. So while I get the comparison, say, to with Dante Cunningham, the fact that he can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim creatively and get to the free throw line, which uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, what did he average if you've got a computer in front of you, uh, Preston? But it was, wasn't like six or seven free throws, uh attempts a game. Whatever oh, it was, yeah. it was an outstanding figure, you know? We don't see that outside of Tyreek or Anthony Davis in the past year. So, you know, this was that was a wonderful thing to see out of him. And the fact that he was also um, lavish for his defense and his energy, that, that that's great. So, yeah, I think the Pelicans may have a little diamond in the rough there.
0: All right, Kevin, I'm going to go over to you. Uh... We, we talked about uh, Quinn Cook and Axel Tupon, and the reason I bring up Jalen Jones possibly making the team is Ali mentioned that, that Quinn Cook might not necessarily make the team based on uh, purely the, the Pelicans' view of him, but the Pelicans were very high on him. Scott Kushner called it a numbers game, and Jalen Jones plays a different position, so there is space on the roster for him to play. Now, going back to Quinn Cook and Axel Tupon, uh, these guys are in a bit of a, a tough spot Uh, Real GM's Keith Smith said that because they were due to be guaranteed more than $50,000, they can't become a part of the NBA D League this season. So we've seen Tupan is going overseas. Quinn Cook is still looking for a job. Jamel McMillan even uh, dropped this bomb on Twitter. We don't know that it was uh, purposefully in relation to these moves, but it's very coincidental, the timing of it. He said, have to remember the league is a business. It's brutal, it's harsh, and it has no mercy at times. Every opportunity matters. Uh, it's clear he's uh, struck up a relationship with these guys. Do you think there's any chance that we see Quinn Cook back in training camp and that he possibly earns one of those two spots? And keep in mind, he can't get a two-way contract at this point due to those guarantees.
1: I mean, it's certainly a possibility because, you know, we have roster spots and we have needs for shooting, and he, he gives us that and, you know, additional ball handling. Um but, I mean, I kind of understand, uh, I kind of relate to to uh, Coach McMillan's tweet a little bit, just because, you know, I used to teach at, at the college level. And um, so, like, when you kind of see somebody, and when I taught, I didn't teach, like, one set class. Like, I taught a bunch of classes throughout the course of students' careers there. And um, so I would see them grow and develop. And then when they moved on, you know, some of them you had formed relationships with that you, like, you know, you missed having them in class, or, or like, or in the case of like somebody like a Clint Cook, you know, a guy that was maybe a hard worker, or a guy you liked a lot, but then you, you worried that they weren't going to really be able to make it in the professional environment and what they studied. You know, you, you, you worry about them and you connect with them. And um, so, like, I can understand his mindset in that tweet as well, if that was, uh, aimed at Quinn cook. But I mean, I think there is a chance he at least comes back for training camp if he doesn't find something else out there, but I mean, a ball handler that can shoot the three pretty well, he might, you know, he might be able to find a spot somewhere.
2: Ollie, we still need it. Hey, one thing I I quickly want to, um, I think clarify is the fact that, you know, since Quinn cook was waived and his hundred thousand never guaranteed, um, none of this counts, you know, moving forward. The reason um, had a team picked him up off of waivers, they would have been responsible for that, you know, the, his existing contract and therefore those, uh, those terms. But the fact that nobody did, it's like he's starting with a clean slate. So uh, technically, I'm almost positive he can be now uh, signed to a two-way contract. My guess, though, the reason he hasn't done it is he's obviously looking for guaranteed money. He thinks he belongs on an NBA roster. And, you know, let's face it, I think what an NBA contract would be starting around one point. Was it two million for him? As to where I think a two-way contract isn't going to pay more than almost a quarter of a million. So I think just for clarification purposes, I think we need to make mention that I think he is now eligible for that two-way contract, like I said, because everything that he was tied to with the last one has already been thrown out the window. It never guaranteed, uh, and he was waived, and it was unclaimed by any other team. So, you know, just let's dump that, and we can move on. He can move on now. And his his possibilities are open. See, that was my understanding. I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but (laughs) that's 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 the way I read everything. No, if that's, that's
0: if that's the case, why do you think no team has taken a chance on him as of yet?
2: Because he's looking for guaranteed money. I bet you all his offers have been in the unguaranteed version. And let's face it, that means that, hey, come to training camp. We'll give you 25000 which more likely than not's going to result in, well, we really liked you, but we're not going to add you. He's been through that charade with, I think, three teams now, right? The Cavaliers, Mavericks, and now us. So, no, he's going to hold out hope. His agent's going to try and find him that guaranteed deal first. If not, then, yeah, Preston, I think you're right. Then we'll see him accept either a training camp invite with unguaranteed, or maybe he would, you know, out of some kind of, I don't know, loyalty to the Pelicans. Maybe there's something behind the scenes we don't know about where he'll sign a two-way deal. But, yet somehow it'll be more prosperous for him to do so down the stretch. I don't know. It's all up in the air. But, yeah, as I said, I, I expect him to land somewhere, but it's not going to be with a guaranteed contract. That's why he hasn't ended up anywhere yet. Do you think
0: we still need to add a um, third point guard at this point, or do you think with Crawford and Moore and Jackson and uh, Rajon Rondo and Drew Hill we're set to go into the regular season with the ball handlers we have?
2: Normally I would say no, but if you look at the past few years, where we can't even get out of the starting gates with our original point guards, it's a scary uh, thought. I think the Pelicans may not pursue, like, say, a tie loss and a true point for a third guy on the bench simply because of this whole new scheme that they're going to try and establish where Boogie is going to handle a lot of the decision making. And as to where they have other players on the roster that can bring up the ball, you know, when they need to like a Jordan Crawford, that's Moore, um, and whoever else I may be forgetting.
0: All right, Kevin, everyone has been wondering all off season long, uh, whether or not Darius Miller can play on this level. We've seen Jordan Crawford, fall out of NBA favor, go overseas, come back and contribute immediately. It was really impressive uh, how quickly he acclimated back to the NBA last season. Is Darius Miller the next one to accomplish this feat? What are you expecting from him?
1: Well, Darius Miller is always going to have a special place in my heart for that one game where we had every guard hurt and he and Tyreek Evans were running the point and just destroying Chris Paul. So I really hope that he can succeed in the league i'm not 100 percent sure but um you know with the uh, with the nba's shift since he left to going smaller you know he might f- be able to find a, a solid role playing the four because he wasn't really athletic enough to, to play the two or the three and um you know if he's got a shot down i mean he shot pretty well in europe apparently um you know if he can hit open looks at a respectable rate and be adequate on defense. I mean I think he can uh fill a role and get some minutes.
0: All right. We still have that uh sorry, did I cut you off Ollie? Nope, you're good. Okay, we still have that uh third big position open if you're considering a Jensen uh a chick as a lot of uh uh coaches did not uh play or practice. Uh so right now we've got check diallo slotted in that spot and Jamel talked about uh Teaching check a lot this offseason, working on specific things like running the floor, energy. He said he played in back-to-back games, 33 minutes each game, never showed a sign of slowing down. Uh, rebounding in traffic was another important point. Uh, and guarding multiple positions, getting out in the wing as well as defending in the paint. It's well documented that he lacks defensive awareness as of now. However, at this moment, we're looking at him as a real contributor this regular season. Kevin, what else does Cech Diallo need to prove
1: before you're willing to give him 20 minutes per game? For me, the main thing I want to see from him is boxing. Like Rebounds are very much an energy and hustle stat, um, which is why he looks like he's really solid in that category right now. He plays with great hustle and, and he has incredible athleticism, but he's really just relying on his reach and athleticism Um you know, I want to see him start putting his body on people and sealing off his man, so somebody else can get the rebound. And then, you know, then I'll start to know that he's developing. I mean, as far as defensive IQ goes, I mean, you have to remember he's barely played basketball. Like we've all probably played more basketball games than he's played. You know, and uh, he seems smart, so I'll, I'm not too worried about uh, him getting there. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a learning curve because he he started playing basketball so late in his career compared to the people he's going against.
2: Uh, What about you, Ollie? No, I think Kevin hit the nail on the head. I noticed him having issues with the rebounding if he didn't, you know, have the positioning because uh, he he did get kind of beat by, was it, Collins from Atlanta and then the Toronto guys, Seacom and uh, Podal down down low. But I did notice him a few times box out as man, but it wasn't as consistent as we'd like to see. So yeah, and Kevin nailed it on the head about his basketball experience this guy's barely got any, I'm sure in my grade squad, probably played more games than he has combined between Kansas and here as as a pro. Um, He's so new to the game. So it's kind of not a surprise where he, to us, it's like an instinct and we've seen it, you know, year after year. um, It's just kind of an ingrained thing. Nothing's ingrained for him. We have to remember that. But as you mentioned, um, Preston, he is looking at a big role next season and it is a little scary to think that maybe they would have to rely on it to be a third big. Granted, I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, Jensa is either going to be back or they're going to resign Cunningham. You have to think one of those two things are going to happen. So he's not going to be necessarily that third guy. But he should and hopefully will see some rotation minutes
0: yeah I, I like the idea of him coming in early in the second quarter uh This is what Gentry tended to do uh last season. He would have boogie and a d play the bulk of the of the first period and then have somebody like aginsa come in at at the end of the first or Dante Cunningham even playing some small ball five. The thing that concerns me as of this moment right now um is if Demarcus Cousin gets into early foul trouble as he was pensioned to do last season, we might see Cech Diallo three minutes into the first quarter of multiple games this season, which I'm not prepared for yet. But let's let's move right along. Uh Jamel has mentioned multiple times uh throughout each podcast with both myself and Kumar keeping things simple for for Drew Holiday he mentioned how many times Drew Holiday has had to relearn basketball from uh you know playing small ball lineups with AD to bringing in Boogie to now bringing in Rajan Rondo and to be fair you know Drew has gone from primary uh ball handler to off guard he and you know he he used to attack the lane and now there's less room for that with DeMarcus Cousins so I certainly understand the argument but also how many times he brought it up was a little bit troubling for me. Drew Holiday is obviously a very intelligent guy, but does does he have trouble retaining information on the basketball floor, Kevin?
1: Um, I think it's more of the fact that Drew's one of those classic overthinkers, like uh, which leads him to be a little bit hesitant instead of just like instinctually making the muscle memory reaction. He goes through like a whole. Uh, I mean, obviously it's done quick, but you know analyzing every possible outcome of different situations before making the decision, you know, like, like when we had Tyreek Evans, you, you know, you would, you could look at Drew Holliday as like a chess player, like trying to analyze the board and Tyreek would just flip the board over and charge over his opponent, you know, like, um, Drew just needs to get more decisive and if they can get him to be more decisive and more aggressive, that's great. But I don't think it's like, a basketball IQ problem. I just think he overthinks and overanalyzes every move that he makes. Um, And what about you, Ali?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And I've heard people mention that too, not just Kevin about the overthinking part. But um, you also have to remember the fact that I feel like he hasn't had the same role from year to year. Under Monty Williams, he had to play with Tyreek Evans, as Kevin mentioned, was a very type A personality out there. And Drew kind of had to feed off of that. And he played off the ball a lot back uh, then whenever he shared the floor with Tyree. So then he went from that to uh, having all sorts of issues with his leg in between. Um, th- then he had to come in off the bench, be a reserve player um, in Dalvin Durant's first season. And then last year, he had the whole family issue. And then suddenly DeMarcus Cousins gets traded and he's worried about getting another big man his 30 points a game. So I don't know. It's, there's a certain possibility that maybe Drew does have some problem retaining certain kinds of information, but you know, on the bigger, I don't know. It's more obvious and apparent to me that the overthinking and the fact that he hasn't had stability in the role seems a lot more obvious to me as the obvious answers.
0: It just appears to me, uh, and forgive me if I'm mistaken, it just appears that everybody's trying to cater to Drew, giving him less and less responsibility. The more things are put around him, the less that we want him to do. We want him as an off-ball attacker, but a year or two ago, we we weren't – I don't remember having this conversation just uh, 18 months ago when he was a six-man coming off the bench, averaging something like 30 points a game for a month at one point. Uh, really efficient. And now we're taking more and more responsibilities away from him. He's basically becoming a, a 3 and D wing at this point. Kevin, do you agree with that sentiment at all?
1: Um, I don't know if I agree with that 100%, but I definitely do feel like, you know, Even before the Rondo, especially before the Rondo signing, I should say, like the whole idea of like having to still find another point guard when we just paid a guy who made an all-star game as a point guard, you know, a hundred and what is $125 million? Um, I mean, I don't. I feel like, yes, they are. I mean, the team has catered to them completely from the time of contract negotiations and even the year before. I mean, it's been constantly kind of babying him a little bit, but um, you know, hopefully it pays off in the end. I don't know. I, I mean, he's an incredible defender, so that's what you want him to focus on. That's what keeps your defensive system running, but you do need to get more from him offensively, and they need to figure out how to do that, and I don't know how much Reducing his role on that end helps in that situation.
0: Ali, for all the criticism uh, we've been giving Solomon Hill over the past year, Alvin Gentry mentioned he defended the three last year as well as anybody in the league. Jamel McMillan was really high on him, and he mentioned that he was working, quote, ridiculously hard in L.A. Is there any chance that we see a big leap from Solomon Hill this year? And are we underrating him?
2: What do you mean exactly by a leap? Like, for instance, if it's something like he's going to suddenly average 15 points a game or six rebounds a game, no, I don't think there's any way. But if you're talking about a leap within his uh, role, like, for instance, maybe he's knocking down the three on a slightly better percentage. i say instead of, what was he, about 34-some percent last season, goes up to 37, 38. Yeah, that, that, that's, I think, possible. The fact that everybody's remarking that his shot has improved And, uh, for instance, I don't know if you guys know this, but on Pelicans.com, he, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, are now suddenly shooting fadeaways. Uh, I hope to God we don't see that in games. The fact (laughs) that they made more than they missed, um, it bodes well. I I really truly think that he can step it up. As long as as he's not asked to do too much in the ball handling and creating department, I I feel like that's honestly where he got in trouble last season. Uh, He had too many of those in-between shots that were completely off balance somewhere in the paint. And I swear he missed every single one of them. Um, I think if he just sticks to his open jumpers, his role of maybe making a few cuts, you know, stuff like that, kind of like a Dante Cunningham, honestly. If he could stick to that, yeah, I think that leap is possible because, therefore, his efficiency would go through the roof. And combined with his, as you've mentioned, his defense, yeah, that's a pretty good player for that, that amount of money, believe it or not.
0: And Kevin, we did see Dante Cunningham's numbers uh, increase from the three point position in the past three years. uh it's It's gotta be inevitable that that solo's numbers are gonna go up, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna echo a little bit what uh, Ollie was saying. I mean, I'm one of the I think I feel maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm one of the few people that really values Solomon Hill. like I think he's a very big part of this team and a very good part of this team. I mean, he's clearly a really cerebral guy and he's a hard worker. Um, I mean, obviously, we all wish he had, like, a Jensen or or Moore's contract, but that's not his fault, you know? I mean, he's a great one-on-one defender. I think what uh, his biggest... The biggest thing that's going to help him this year is off-ball cuts. If he can get those going, that's what Ali had mentioned. You know, baseline cuts like Dante was doing. I think he can destroy people. I mean, we saw that incredible dunk where he murdered Marcus Smart, which was <laughs> ridiculously called a charge. But if you you can get him doing more of that, it's going to boost his confidence. And I think he's a very com- like confidence-driven offensive player. I know, it, like I think he feels comfortable in defensive scheme, but offensively. I feel like he, he wavers in confidence, and that affects his shot. Um, but, yeah, Dante made great leaps every year, so hopefully um, Solomon will, too. I mean, the thing about his numbers, there are a little deceiving. I mean, he shot 34%, which seems respectable, but those are mainly wide open. So you need him on those wide open ones to hit a little bit higher percentage, and uh, you need them to – to hit him more just to kind of draw a defender away, because they're going to give him that shot all the time right now, still, regardless if the numbers increase. Yeah, and we don't have a lot of options behind
0: Solomon Hill at this point. Uh, We talked a little bit earlier about Darius Miller, and also we're hoping the best for Quincy Pondexter, but we've got to hope and expect for a Solomon Hill, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, leap this season, as we quoted earlier. Um, So best of luck to him in L.A. while he trains to get better. Uh, Let's, Ali... Um, back in May 25th, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, dropped a bomb that the Pelicans were were chasing after Sam Mitchell. And we really haven't heard anything on that front in quite a while. Are we adding him or what?
2: Yeah, I've been recently thinking about this myself because he's. sometimes I listen to uh, Joel Myers on uh, Sirius XM NBA radio. And uh, oftentimes Sam Mitchell joins him as a guest. So every time he comes on, I, I want to call in and say, hey, are you part of the Pelicans yet? Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I swear to God, I may get around doing it if we don't find out an answer real soon. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, let's let's look at the facts, I guess. Chris uh, Finch has been added. Anything else that has been kind of rumored has been made official, and Sam Mitchell's like the only one that hasn't. So I'm beginning to think, no, I think they may have changed their mind, or maybe he decided to go in a different direction. But the fact that we haven't heard anything, and it's been a while, as you mentioned, I didn't even think it was uh, that long ago, but it has been. So it's almost it's over two months ago now. Uh, I'm not holding my breath that he's going to be a part of the coaching staff, no.
0: You know, I was kind of just hoping for the addition because I really wanted to see Kevin Garnett in New Orleans, uh, more specifically working with some of our guys like Boogie AD and Check Diallo. I really thought uh, Check could could get a lot of information uh, from Kevin Garnett. Do you do you hope for a Sam Mitchell hiring, Kevin, or have you moved on at this point?
1: I mean, I was always kind of just like whatever about that, that hiring. I mean, I see some value in it, but I don't think that it's uh, – like make or break and i i like i said earlier like when this originally happened like if the the main reason you want sam mitchell is to get kevin garnett to come in from time to time why not just get kevin garnett to come in from time to time i mean i'm sure you know like the warriors hired steve nash in that sort of role um and he doesn't have to be around the team all the time he just comes in every now and then i don't see why you can't do that with Kevin Garnett if that's something that he's interested in at all. You know, I mean, why wouldn't he want to work with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins? Um if if he's into the idea of being a mentor at all, you know?
2: Yeah. So here's another they... idea it's just a cr- sorry, Press, let me just say this. Another idea just occurred to me as Kevin was talking was uh do we even consider maybe the fact that Mitchell maybe hasn't been added is because of there was some rumor talk that if Gentry was to be fired It would be Sam Mitchell taking over, not Darren Ehrman, and maybe that perceived thought kind of bothered somebody within the organization, and therefore they didn't go that route. I don't know. I'm just kind of brainstorming here, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, you might be onto
0: something there because that's around the time I I specifically remember that uh, Mickey Loomis never comes out and gives anybody a vote of confidence until the NFL draft has passed us by. And the NFL draft was a little bit shortly before that, so it could have been a rumor that just coincidentally surfaced that weekend, although it's something they had discussed previously. But uh, I think you guys will probably be in agreement with me that uh, Sam Mitchell is possibly the last coach I would want to bring to New Orleans in a head coaching capacity, not necessarily an assistant capacity uh but you guys the detroit pistons uh it was just announced that they are going to be playing in little caesar's arena this season and i don't know why but this just really tickled me i i thought about the 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 pizza pizza commercials and of course in new orleans we have the smoothie king center and i think there's even another stadium maybe in charlotte that also has a, a smoothie king title to it do you guys have some other funny uh Uh, park names. Like I'm I'm just looking right now and I see like Kit Kat, uh, the bargain booze stadium or some stadiums in England. Do you guys have some favorite stadium names across the U S?
2: Um, I'll I'll go first real quick. I'm just a traditionalist. Give me the Madison square gardens or United center. And damn it. I do miss the Boston gardens in the forum. Um, I I think Oracle is one of the good sponsorships that kind of worked out, but then (laughs) look on the other end, talking stick resort arena. For the Phoenix Suns. That's an ugly mouthful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that was all. Yeah. They got lucky, actually. That was almost the Ashley Madison Arena. I remember about five years ago, before hackers went in and blew up that entire. Uh, do you guys remember the Ashley Madison thing? I think it's where married people went to.
1: Oh yeah. You know,
0: their spouses, <laughs> uh, and they were doing so well at the time that they put on major bids for uh, a stadium in Phoenix, as well as the New York Giants and New York uh, Jets new stadium up there. So uh that, that could have been the fun that could have taken the title for the funniest uh stadium name in America. Uh just one more before I let you guys go. This this dunk drive by challenge. Have you guys seen this? Anthony Davis posted something on Twitter and on Instagram the other day of him just walking up into neighbors' front yards and just dunking on their basketball goals. Have have you guys partaken in this yet?
1: Yeah. At this point in my jumping career, I'm going to take Andre Miller's advice and don't do it. I, I have uh, 30 years of, I mean, uh, 20 years of skateboard knees and Trump's trying to take away my health care. So I'm not risking anything <laughs> like that. But if I landed in anything other than a foam pit or water, I think my knees would explode like a pinata. Kevin, that is
0: a, a tragic monologue you just gave us. Ali, are, are you that far gone as far as
2: health goes? Yeah, my luck I either get shot for a trespassing, breaking a rim or hurting myself. So, yeah, none of those okay. sound inviting. I'll pass. I was going to
0: say these guys are pretty brave. You never know what kind of crazy uh person could come out of their front door enraged that someone would be touching their $45 uh Dick Sporting Goods rim. Uh Kevin, I'm I'm going to let Ali go, but Kevin this sunday is the third episode of season seven of game of thrones and what is dead may never die but some characters might have a difficult time bouncing back after getting the axe from the iron fleet we've got some hot candidates to meet a merciless end this season uh i don't know if you watched uh, this previous weeks but gray worm is a very strong candidate for me to get the the axe this week do you have any are you a part of any pools do you have any predictions as far as who do you think goes down this week
1: well, it's funny that you said Grey Worm, because that's exactly who I was going to say. Um, like, I'm, But I'm only basing this off of having seen five minutes of Scream recently, where they break down the rules of surviving a horror film. And, you know, he just had sex for the first time. So you know, <laughs> I think he's the next to go. That's part are, of the rules, right? Are we sure that he had sex for the first time? <laughs> I mean, he got as close as he could, I guess, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he just got to a comfortable third base in all likelihood. Ali, that's enough. We're going to let you go. We know you've got a lot of work to get to. Uh, thank you, guys. As always, if you can take a moment, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher. We're also on Google Play right now, thanks to Ali's hard work. So you guys can give us a rating or you can subscribe to any one of those venues. Again, thank you so much. We've got well over, I think, 11,000 downloads this month so far. So, uh, so excited and so great. Grateful to Kevin and Ali for having this podcast. The Bird Calls here at Bird Rights. Keep tuning in. Keep subscribing. We're going to have uh, another one for you guys coming up after the weekend. We're going to keep uh, keep you guys full of your Pelicans news even through the uh, slowest parts of the off season. So again, you guys can follow Ali at Red Hopeful. You can follow Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce. I'm doing this all from memory. Ali, do we have anything exciting coming up on the birdrights.com this week? or Are we just waiting for news to drop?
2: Uh, well, besides waiting for news for drop, one thing I'm going to really delve into is Darius Miller. Um, I just recently got three full games uh, from last year over in Germany. So I want to study in detail and break down, is there any reason for us to be more hopeful uh, based on his play over the last, you know, develop, you know, just to check for development in Europe? Does, does he look better to the eye and does he do some, certain new things than he did when he was with New Orleans? So I want to just make a big piece and kind of give my two cents on that. That's what I'm probably going to focus on for most of the next week.
0: All right. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you, Kevin. If anybody wants to tweet at Kevin and I during Game of Thrones this Sunday, uh, please do. I'd love to engage in conversation with you guys. I, I have a, an email chain with my sister every Monday morning. We probably exchange about 1,500 to 3,000 words uh, with a synopsis entailed. Uh, but for now, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go, pals. Thank you.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
0: Technology Truths. Brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis.
1: How was the birthday party? Mm. Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth.
0: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com.
1: What are you talking about? Mm. Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five...